Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 483, and I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink, a.k.a. Agent... It's a a day. (laughs) That's a... You gotta spell that out if anybody wants to send Lorraine a message. You gotta, you know... Really spell that out with all the n and the a and the it's a yeah. Day. It's a lot of uppercase, lowercase a's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am recording from my new studio office, which is not fully complete yet, but I'm very excited because I'm, I'm almost ready to be moved in to my new home, which is very exciting. Yay! Congratulations! Happy housewarming! Thank you. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Still, so much to do. Buying a house is a lot of work. FYI for everyone out there, yeah. especially you, Lorraine. I know. I'm. We're we're about to start looking for a, a new home. So, <laughs> yay! I'm, yay! I am really excited. This is the honeymoon phase where I'm just looking at houses, and I'm like, maybe, maybe not. Like we're just starting to date a house, but we haven't, you know, really gotten close to marrying a house yet. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. oh, I know that 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 feel real good. It's a lot. Um, But we're not here to just talk about buying and selling houses. We are going to tell you everything that's happening this week in Marvel from games, comics, movies, TV, and much more. Actually, before we even get into that, I wanted to tell you something funny Hmm. that happened to me this week. So uh, actually, last week, I posted a tweet because I was was with my child, my daughter, Catherine Grace. We were watching a little Sesame Street. She gets a little bit of Sesame Street time in the afternoon when she has her snack. And uh, we watched an episode called The A-Team of Sesame Street from a couple years ago, which starred Ryan Reynolds oh, yes. as the guest. And he was dressed in a big A, and he was his face was popping out of the hole of said A, and it was very good. And then some of the other Sesame Street kids slash monsters were members of this parody A-Team. So like Telly was the Mr. T. It was really great. It was really funny. Uh, I enjoyed it, but I posted pictures of it on on Twitter about this and I was just like this is great and, you know yada yada went on my with my life and then three days later or a couple days from previous to when we were recording someone took those pictures that I posted took the exact same tweet copy that I wrote reposted it completely just stealing everything and then Ryan Reynolds quote tweeted them then BuzzFeed picked up Ryan Reynolds' quote tweet of the wrong person's tweet and did a whole article about it. And I didn't know about this because I, you know, with the house and work and everything, I don't have a lot of time to like check Twitter. And then someone was like, yo, you just got like someone stole your stuff. I was like, what? I got annoyed by this. And I was like, whatever, it's just Twitter, right? Um, um, so I, I fully read that article. <laughs> that was mine. Um, but uh, now we know who the real A person is. Yes, uh, but I, I I tweeted it with my original, a screenshot of my original tweet, and then a screenshot of this other thing, and then saw the BuzzFeed thing afterwards and like edited that as like an LOL. Uh, and then Ryan Reynolds re- replied to me, he goes, what the what? And then started following me. So who wins in the end? This guy. I'm now best friends with Ryan Reynolds. We're going to do a whole lot of Ryan and Ryan fun. And uh, everybody watch out for that. Wow. I hope he grows a mustache. He would look great with a mustache. <laughs> I'm just telling you that right now. Uh, I love what a weird small world it is. I'm glad that your your Twitter uh, story had a happy ending. Yeah. So weird. It's like I, I likened it to someone like one comedian stealing another comedian's oh, joke, yeah. but like less interesting or like problematic. It's just so dumb. 
It's so stupid. Truly, truly yeah, dumb. Yeah. Don't yeah. steal people's tweets. Just retweet That's them right. and be nice. Everybody be yeah. cool, man. That's the lesson. Otherwise, mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds will never follow you. Yeah. Or, or someone is mean to you. Hopefully, Ryan Reynolds follows you back. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's get into the marvel of it all uh, because we had some big news, big reveals this week because finally we know what is going on with Heroes Reborn. Heroes Reborn is a big old Marvel Comics shenanigan of festival of joy and punching starting in May by writer Jason Aaron and artist Ed McGinnis. Just for the sake of clarity, it's not exactly a literal festival of punching. It's a it's a comic book. I mean, but it's, wouldn't it's you say that most comic books are festivals of punching? Can we now, Lorraine, 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 can we now... As hosts of multiple official Marvel podcasts between the two of us, make it so anytime someone talks about a comic book, we can say, oh, you mean a festival of punching. I mean, we can make that a thing. Done. It's official. It's Marvel has said comic books can be called festivals of punching. All right. But also it's a comic book. Um <laughs> AKA a festival of punching. All right. There we go. Um so we're going to see a new superhero team in this festival of punching um, that is going to sort of fill in the void where our Avengers had been. I, I like it because it's got a vibe, like in a sense of almost a what if mm-hmm. in like in, in structure, like kind of it's not specifically called a what if, but it's what would the Marvel Universe look like if the Avengers had never assembled, never come together. Yeah. And that's the jumping off point. It's really, really neat. Yeah, um, it should be really cool. And the characters, um, if you've seen any of the art rolling past the Marvel social channels or over on Marvel.com, you've probably seen some really sick sort of um, mashup-y style characters. Like there's Dr. Juggernaut, the Silver Witch, uh, the Black Skull. I mean, you just have to go over and like really check them out because they're pretty awesome. Yeah, and so in this this storyline, the you know Earth's Mightiest Heroes are the Squadron Supreme of America. And if you've been reading the Avengers comics that Jason and Ed and uh, the other amazing artists have been working on over the last couple of years, you've seen how the Squadron Supreme have sort of come back a little bit here and there. We're getting little hints and pieces of those characters. Um, and we're, we're also seeing how like uh, Phil Coulson has been involved, mm-hmm. which yeah. is really cool. We've seen uh, the bad boy in red, Mephisto, how he's been involved. Oh, Mephisti. Um, Mephisto. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, how they've all been involved. And it, real quick, just in case anyone who like doesn't understand the Squadron Supreme, I think, um, do you mind if I give a quick like Get into 411? It. Uh, Squadron Supreme originally created a long, long time ago as the Squadron Sinister, as these um, sort of... Uh, these characters that would be foils for the Avengers, they came from a different universe, sort of reintegrated into the Marvel Universe. There was a great story called the Squadron Supreme from the 80s, which uh, is one of my favorite all-time stories. It's a long maxi series, and it, it's a very much like a, a storyline of reality-based comic book storytelling where the Squadron Supreme tried to fix the world mm-hmm. in their universe and it's it's very grounded, it's very real, it's very mature. Uh, it was written by Mark Grunewald, and it's really wonderful. And it really builds out the the, the character base. Um, so if you are a fan of of you know leagues of characters, a festival yeah, of, of punching, of 
and festivals of punching there's tons of great squadron supreme stories but this is really like taking those inspirations and bringing it into a whole new world and i'm very excited by this can we make a festival of punching in like 2022 in person we're gonna make a comic book together in person we'll, we'll workshop it all right yes but yes 100%. Yes. So everybody go check that out. You can watch the trailer now on marvel.com and and get a look at all the art. It's really, really sick and cool. Um, also, I don't know if you're caught up on your Marvel Studios WandaVision. I know you are because we watch these in advance, Ryan. But yeah. <laughs> a little behind the curtain, you texted me yesterday, <gasps> Lorraine, before recording. We're like, did you watch the next episode of Marvel Studios WandaVision? Because we need to talk about it. And because we're on we're recording right now. We can't talk about it, but we watched a future episode and that, that. <gasps> ah! Okay, that's all we'll say. <laughs> yes. We have to talk about it once we're off, yeah. Mike, because. <laughs> I lost it. I have to like muffle myself when I'm watching the episode because I don't want to let anybody else in the house like know what's going on or, or like if I'm watching it at night on, on my own, wake the baby or anything. It's, it's great. I've been watching them alone because that's what you are legally supposed to do, right? So. Like, I just get done watching them, and then I'm like, and now I have to wait, like, some time for everyone else to watch them. <sighs> I know. The the struggle is real. Yeah, like, we only have one person, maybe, like, three people that we can talk about it with for the, the stuff that we're caught up with. It's, like, each other, me and you, and then a couple of people we know at Marvel who have seen them as well. Yeah. It's intense. Um, yeah. But episode three came out this past week, which was one of my favorite episodes. I thought it was really great. Some amazing stuff happens. I don't want to spoil anything because I want to give you guys a chance to watch it. But there are some more Marvel must-haves over on Marvel.com, which, of course, are all of these cutie cute products that they have coinciding with each episode. You can get Geraldine's silver necklace, which I am so into when I saw that. We saw that in like a sort of prop costume tour, mm -hmm. and it's awesome. Also, please cosplay Geraldine oh, in that fish outfit. Oh, my <laughs> God. It is just the most delicious, delightful outfit. They also have Funko Pops, which I know James would love, which are 70s Wanda and 70s Vision in color. Yeah. They're so cute. And you can check everything out over at marvel.com slash must Yes. And of course, do not forget to stay caught up. These episodes drop weekly. So Marvel Studios WandaVision episode four. <gasps> if you're listening to this on Sirius XM, it'll be out tomorrow. If you are listening to it uh, on a regular podcast feed, it's out. Get up in there. It's a doozy. It's real good. Um. Also, I really do love this series because... Again, no spoilers, but every single episode I watch, I'm like, that's my favorite episode. Yeah, right? Every single episode, I'm like, nope, this is the this is this is my favorite. This is the best one. And then the next one comes out, and I'm like, okay, well, no, that one's my favorite, and that's the best one. Yeah. Um, so I can't wait for you guys to continue to watch the series because it's so exciting. <laughs> yes. All right. So you're gonna watch Marvel Studios WandaVision while you are waiting for that to load on Disney Plus. Maybe you also get your butt over to Marvel.com slash X Men Vote. That's X M E N V O T E because fans can vote for the newest member of the X-Men. There's this cool X-Men election that's going on. Um, it has started this week, so it's already running, and voting will be open until February 2nd, 2021 at 11.59 p.m. Ryan. Yes. Why isn't this called an election? <gasps> 
an Alexan. Oh man! Missed opportunity, Brand. We have to let's send. I was gonna say let's send an email to Jordan, but I don't know if Jordan. I think Jordan would have like come up with that, and then the marketing folks would have probably been like, "That's confusing." But we get it. It would have been perfect. When I retweeted or subtweeted, that's what it's called. Um, Very smart. There's a great list of characters. They have Banshee and Polaris and Forge and Boom Boom and Tempo and Cannonball and Sunspot and Strong Guy and Marrow and Armor. Uh, Ryan, who would you vote for? So this one is tough um, because Forge is usually like one of the dinkiest X-Men, but in all the Dawn of X stuff, Mm -hmm. he's been written so amazingly as just like a super like bro dude but like funny and they've they've done stuff to his character in like simple ways that have made me want him at the forefront of everything uh of course boom boom tabitha is is one of the best characters she was a member of next wave uh seeing her you know out there would be wonderful uh marrow's cool because she's all 90s what about you uh, that's three people, not one, but okay. Oh, uh, fine. I, I'm gonna. I will vote for Forge. That's my vote. I know you vote with your mustache. I get it. Yeah. Um, Look at him. He's so glorious. I was looking at everything, and I'm like, Boom Boom has mad swag, which I'm here for. Um, but I think Armor because she's a hashtag sad girl, and like I relate to that. <laughs> I also feel a need to armor myself. <laughs> so like armor all day, every day. Um, also, I I loved her in X-Men Disassembled. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I get it, you know? Yeah. Bad, bad days all around. Yeah. And like, also, I'm looking at this list. If you can only vote for one, I can't really vote for Cannonball or Sunspot because they have to be together. They're like, you have to put them together. Otherwise, you lose some of the, the fun of having them. They're like peanut butter and salt. Exactly. I love a good peanut butter and salt, Sammy. Uh, Tempo, she was a member of the MLF, the Mutant Liberation Front. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities here. It's really cool. And I also love that Banshee has his big bushy sideburns, so that's always good. Yeah. Um, But you guys should vote. Don't listen to what we say. Listen to what you say. Go to marvel.com slash X-Men, vote, and do it. Also, vote for Forge, so I'm I'm right. Uh, All right, let's talk about (laughs) some video game stuff because over at Marvel Puzzle Quest, uh, Silk is now available in the game. Cindy Moon, uh, just tremendous character. I'm very excited. She's getting more spotlight, more shine, so she's going to be in uh, Marvel Puzzle Quest. Also, be on the lookout for special giveaways coming to just like a number of Marvel mobile games in celebration of Black History Month throughout February. Uh, Marvel.com will have more details about all of that. Yeah, Um, and we did mention this uh, a week or two ago when it was announced, but now you can get Strife in Marvel Contest of Champions. He is available the day that this is coming out, so you can go play with this metal-suited, meddling, time-traveling clone boy. So I was going to call him the My Chemical Romance of (gasps) X-Men villains, and you know what? I'm sticking to it because I love My Chemical Romance so much. I love them so much, and I love Strife so much, and it's like, you know, it's just the the song, like, I'm not okay, that's Strife right there. It's just so good. Oh, Listen to My Chemical Romance, download Contest Champions, and use Strife to and, and make your emo heart sore. Can you imagine just like time traveling, trying to kill your clone? Yes. Or your your mean dad? 100%. 1,000%. Having read X-Men comics since I was a child, I've done nothing but dream about time traveling and being like a cyborg X-Men 
all the time. Also, can I tell you, I have yes. done a couple of, of projects where I've either needed to write a script or I've needed to write a book chapter about Strife or Cable. And untangling that web of time-traveling insanity is nigh impossible, but it, it mostly can be done. It can be done, but it takes a lot of... You need like Patience. you need a Charlie Day whiteboard, <gasps> like, like yes. a Always Strings. Sunny... Yep, strings, all that. Push pins. You oh, need man. to get yourself over to like a, a office store and <laughs> get, you need supplies. Definitely go to an office store as they're they're known. Uh, <laughs> there's a, um, a, uh, a paint store that we go to in the Bronx that is great. Wonderful dudes. I give them comic books because they have kids and they love Marvel stuff. Um, but it's called Genovic. It's on Broadway. And uh, I found there, and I didn't know it existed, whiteboard paint. So you can actually oh, yeah. paint a wall with whiteboard. Yeah, I they bought have that chalkboard paint too. I already bought the chalkboard paint. I bought that for, for Catherine's room. But I'm like, I feel like I want to buy some whiteboard paint and just like make a wall of whiteboard. Why not? We went to go visit Insomniac when they were working on the first Spider-Man game. And Bill Roseman had been working with them and he came over to talk about Spider-Man's story and he picked up a marker and started writing <laughs> on a whiteboard wall. Well, when he finished, they were like, that's a Sharpie and that's just a white wall. <laughs> and so <laughs> they literally have a wall. Like they didn't stop him. They just let him fully write on a normal wall. <laughs> <laughs> you can see that there's some office manager who like drops their head down is like, <sighs> gotta go get the paint can. <laughs> but, you know, you gotta have mad respect for Bill Roseman. Like, they were just like, let the man write. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's a great story. I don't remember that at all. Oh, God, I died. Oh, terrific. All right, let's get back on track uh, because I want to tell you about Marvel Insider because King and Black, of course, is taking over the Marvel Universe across Marvel Comics. And Marvel Insider, King and Black's there as well. Check out Marvel Insider all this month to stay in the know and earn points for amazing rewards like an exclusive digital wallpaper of Todd Knox variant cover for King of Black number one. You can head on over to marvel.com slash insider to learn more. Terms apply. All right. Now that we're we're through all the news, Ryan. Yes. You got to talk to somebody really fun and I'm I'm sad I missed it. So so Tell us about who we got this week. Okay, so this week, our guests on the show are the three principal members of sketch comedy group Auntie Donna. They are an Australian comedy sketch group um, who've been around for 10 years. It was funny. I was talking to them. And I was like, oh, you guys are celebrating your 10-year anniversary this year. And they all they all sort of stopped and were like, oh, yeah. And like They didn't realize <laughs> that. And I, I put it together for them. So I was happy about that. Uh, we talked to Mark, Broden, and Zach. Uh, they'll, they'll introduce themselves as we get into it. The show is on Netflix. Um, I watched it for the, uh, for the interview, but I'm glad I did. It is incredible. It is bonkers. It is absolutely just nuts in all the best ways. It's real weird, really funny. I, I can't stress it enough how much I love the show. So um, definitely check out the show if you've not already after you listen to this interview with Auntie Donna.
Are y'all very excited because I have Mark Broden and Zach from Auntie Donna on the show. Gentlemen, if you wouldn't mind, could you go around so our listeners can hear your voices and and learn about who each of you are? Uh, Mark, why don't we start with you? Hi, I'm Mark Samuel Bonanno, um, and uh, I'm I'm a I'm a bit of a goofball. I'm from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's true, I am. My, my friends are always saying you're pretty goofy, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's me. Guilty as charged. So, um, uh, I think that's, you, said and you that's, just have to say your name. I think it was I'm just sorry. a name. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've gone. I've I've gone deep into my personality. You go, Broden. Uh, my name is Broden Kelly. Um, my origin story. Wink, wink is that I'm from Australia. <laughs> nice. I'm Zachary Wayne, but you can call me Zachary, but I tend to go by Zach. And I, I would say I'm a bit of a goofball. Uh, I just love goofing. I love to make people have a big laugh, a big lol Zach, it's just a name. It's just a name <laughs> and a sentence. Got a couple of goofs and a couple of people from Australia on the show today. That's very good. I, I'm glad you brought up the origin story because we're going to get into that in a second. But first things first, I want to tell you all that I, I watched the show on Netflix. Congratulations. I loved it so much. It is exactly the kind of humor that uh, I love in a sketch show. It's weird and it's funny and it's dark and it is it's absurd. I was cackling and my daughter was like watching some of it with me and she kept looking at me like what's happening and <laughs> she's only 15 months old so she really doesn't know what's happening but she was even confused she is our target demo actually so um absolutely you know, it's a worry that she didn't know what was going on because that's who we're trying to pitch the show towards it's also funny that you say that because my dad had the exact same reaction as your <laughs> uh, 15 month year old daughter there's like a window of about 30 years where you like what we do and then otherwise it's just very confusing. Super, yeah, super. <laughs> just why? Why does this exist? She'll grow into it in time. We'll watch it again with her when she's she's a bit older. Uh, but I wanted to talk about origin story. So one of the things we do here on the show on This Week in Marvel is I like to ask what our guests' Marvel origin stories are in the sense of how did you first uh, get acquainted or learn about the Marvel characters and the stories? Because for some people, it's the movies. Some people, it's I read a comic book. I played a video game. I had underoos or sheets. And it's it, to me, it's always fascinating to find out how everybody comes to Marvel um, why don't we go around the horn? Mark, how did you first get acquainted with Marvel? Yeah, like I've, I've always been a pretty big comic book fan. Uh, still am a bit of a, a bit, a bit nerdy. Batman was always my sort of like big thing. My big first introduction. Who? Who's that? Uh, we don't know him here in this podcast. Can we what? drop Mark from this call? <laughs> you can beat me. Just beat me. Just beat me. It goes, it gets better. It gets better. Um, <laughs> Because uh, I hate Batman now. Um, <laughs> boo. <laughs> boo, yucky. No, so like that sort of, uh, that's what kind of like just introduced me to, to comics in general. Because as a kid, I was just obsessed with like the Tim Burton Batman films and stuff. And then I remember Iron Man was coming out in cinemas and I knew of Iron Man, right? But wasn't super well versed in um, Marvel comic book lore and characters, you know, knew of, but didn't know too much. And I remember being in uh, in Ballarat in the town where we actually all met. I was watching Iron Man there. And like, and the moment when he like lands, when he's like first in his Iron Man suit and then he lands in that sort of like desert 
area in like the proper red Iron Man suit. I remember going, they've done it. Like, this is like really, really good. And pretty much from there, I've been like a very big Marvel movie fan. I remember being like 10 or 11 and thinking that there should be superhero movies. And at that time, there was only a few around. Like, this is early 2000s. And thinking, why aren't there superhero movies? You could do so many. But maybe they just, they just like, imagine thinking that. And then I remember, I think I was in like grade seven when um, Spider-Man came out and I saw it at the movies. And I remember thinking, this is perfect. This is the perfect execution of a superhero movie. When I was like, because it literally, like, it's just like the special effects look really good. The storyline's really clear. It's everywhere. I remember loving it. And I, I know that film just about off by heart. And I was like, they're going to make so many of these now. This warrants making more of these and the other thing so i was really i loved that movie very very much and i remember just watching it all the time but then also the other movie that like has a uh, special place for me is um eric banner the australian actor eric banner was a sketch comedian in australia so before he became a hollywood heart heartthrob if you can call him that he was in a sketch show in Australia called Full Frontal and um, played stupid characters. And then for, he did a art house film in Australia that sort of made him be seen by American filmmakers. And he made The, the Hulk uh, as well. And uh, the, that was a huge thing in Australia because everyone's like, you know Eric Banner, that funny guy? And I was like, yeah, he's like, he's the Hulk. <laughs> and he's and everyone was like, "What do you mean, Eric Banner's the Hulk?" He's like, "Yeah, I don't know. America thinks he's a heartthrob, and now he's the Hulk." So those two movies uh, uh, was my feel like, and I remember seeing a documentary about comic books and how much money you could make collecting them, <laughs> and I was like, "Wow!" And that you know, the the three things that's my entrance. To my- <laughs> I like that. Zach, what about you? Um, I feel like I should uh, mix it up. I was going to say the X-Men animated series when I was a kid and then into the X-Men movie. I remember loving the animated series and then hearing there was going to be a movie coming out and being like, what? And then I remember being like, why aren't they wearing the same costumes and then getting over that pretty quickly? (laughs) Um, So that would be a big one for me. And then later in my teen life, I'd say... A big intro to Marvel would be the Frank Miller uh, Daredevils because I was a big fan of Frank Miller as a teenager and then was getting into his back catalogue and stuff and then got into that that way. So that was that was probably a big one as well. Yeah, some damn good stories. Uh, it, the X-Men 90s animated series, there was just a uh, like a making of book by the showrunner that was released, this big hardcover with scripts and animation cells. And from a like creative standpoint, seeing the the way that they put that show together and the thought behind it on top of the nostalgia for it, you should check that out because it's, yeah, yeah. it's fascinating. It is a beautiful book. Um, it, it's really great. Was their goal to, in 30 years' time, have Wolverine be a meme where he's looking at a photo in bed? Was that the goal of the 90s TV series? Yeah, they went back in time, like like Cable and Bishop, and we were just like, "This is what we're doing. We're going to seed this here." Yeah, uh, and we're going to make the, sure the Spider-Man comic as well. They're like, "We're going to have him pointing at himself," and in thirty years' time, when the internet's a thing, they'll be able to use that in different contexts. I I wonder if they're like, you know, who thinks of that stuff now? Like, oh man, this is meme worthy as they're putting it into, you know, a movie or or a comic book. Geniuses. Um, the some, geniuses, some, yeah. some absolute 
friggin' geniuses. Let's talk about the show a little bit because it's on Netflix. It's real weird. It's very cool that you guys got to make it. When someone says, oh, what's the show or what is it about? What do you say to them? Like, how do you describe Auntie Donna's like the show to people? It's big. It's brash. It's bold. It's crazy. It's wacky. It's it's uh, if you don't like a joke, there's another one coming three seconds. If you did like that joke, move on because there's another joke coming in three seconds. That would be my description, boys. Yes, I mean that's that's a crazy, goofy way to describe it. And um, and <laughs> uh, the, the one thing that do you know what the main feedback I've seen is if from people who don't know who we are and and is what the hell's going on? And I think that's like that's the sentence. What is the show? Yeah, it's just what yeah. the hell's going on? So that that's 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 probably how I would describe it. It's three mates living in a house and what the hell's going on. And and whether this reference makes the I hear all the time it's like modern day young ones. That's what I get a lot. But it's just three goofy guys living in a house. Just uh, But also a bit of civil war. A little bit of civil war. <laughs> I was actually gonna do a legit if you like Taika Waititi, you might like Archie Donna. <laughs> <laughs> Some Australasian absurdist comedy. You know, you, you talked about the the young ones, and I, I wanted uh, when I was watching the show, you know, it reminded me of some Monty Python and the state in particular, which is my all time like that's my high watermark for sketch comedy for me, just because it hit at the right time in my life, and and so there's aspects of the state in there, and you know, for younger audiences, I think some Eric Andre and different things. So for you guys, as you're putting your shows together and, and your ideas, what comedy inspirations did you have? They're all big influences. I think Monty Python is a huge influence and Monty Python, the way they crossed over to every single country, I think there's something so universal and so timeless about what they do. So they're a huge one. Um, there's Australian references. You know, I, there's a show called the McAuliffe program that I, I grew up watching that I love. But then also a lot of British and American references in the mix as well. So I think that's why we're so kind of different to what a lot of people have seen is because in Australia we get we're kind of half British, half American, and we're mushing them together. I um I say like there's two streams. There's like the inspiration shows, which are shows like you know Stella and State and Monty Python. But then there's also DNA shows, which I don't think we have we talk enough about when people ask. I think like shows that you don't think of as like, oh, I remember that show, but they're just, they were in your day every day when you were growing up and a part of who you are. And the two of them, for me at least, are The Simpsons and South Park, like for me, are like, like just always on in the background and the structure, like just there's not, a, you wouldn't sense a lot of the similarities in what we do with what those shows, but they're very inherently just in me. There is a lot of cartoon comedy in what we do though. I think we, we write like a cartoon and we write like an animated show and I think uh, then work out how to film it. <laughs> like that's a big part of what we do, I think. For you guys, what, what's your background? How did you all link up together? And then, you know, what was it that creatively got you connected? So we all we all started by at, at acting school. We all studied acting together. The, the story we tell in interviews is we were all playing the funny parts. And even if the parts weren't funny, we would... Uh, go to the funny parts, but it, it, it's actually, yeah, the, the, the live component of who we are and what we do is a big part of it. So it's, it's funny. I was just thinking about that as we were talking about 
influences and references we've been performing live for like seven years we go to the edinburgh fringe we do melbourne comedy festival so our influences are also like other live performers and people around us and it's a that's a big part of what we do as well i would say have you been able to do any virtual shows is that even on the table because you know with with the pandemic obviously you can't tour you guys said i think before we started recording that you you had to leave the states in march what do you, what do you do in terms of like scratching that live itch there's a funny little full circle thing the first time we ever performed overseas was in like 2014 in san francisco at the san francisco sketch fest and we took all the money we had and we uh, got a hotel room in san francisco and we shared it all and we shared a bed and we performed actually with a Simpsons head writer, Dana Gould. We opened for Dana Gould and we performed at San Francisco Sketch Fest. And it was really, really cool. And we, we're coming back and doing it again this year, but all virtually. It's a really cool thing because we went over We went over initially as kind of like nobodies, like us just trying to, you know, get our foot in the door. And now we're coming back with the guys who have the Netflix sketch series at the Sketch Fest. And it only took six years, <laughs> six, seven years, actually. Yeah, I was amazed at where we were on the bill, like how high we were on the bill, because I remember the first time when I saw the poster, like we were all the way down at the bottom, like a tiny little Auntie Donna thing. And we were quite high this time. I'm like, hey, that's from the bottom. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've not had the heart to tell Mark that it's largely alphabetical, but we're, he's having a good time. It's not. <laughs> some are, some aren't, Zach. <laughs> Twenty twenty one is that the tenth anniversary for you guys? Is that mark ten years together as a group? Yeah, yeah. Since since the inception, not the yeah. film, but since the inception of the group. Wow. Yeah. It signifies our twenties, kind of. We start. We finished college, and then went and made this the kind of way to, you know, this is the kind of stuff we put our energy into. And we're all at the end of our. We're all early thirties now, or thirty. You know. It was our 20s was just like putting all our time and effort into something we were passionate about. Often you hear people looking back on their 20s and going, just go and have fun. There's no consequences. And like, we're a bunch of people who went, let's really use this time to invest in something that doesn't make much money. And um, and thank God we have something to show for it. I know, uh, my Lord. Yeah, but that's that's yeah, that's kind of what we did. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about about Marvel and and your um, geekiness a little bit. Between Mark and Zach, who's the bigger comic book fan? You, Zach, you referenced Frank Miller, so um, but well, you know what? I think I was always a bit of an indie comic book guy in my teens. So I think in terms of comic books about superheroes, that sort of broader sense, you know, I've I've got a general knowledge, but I would say Mark beats me on that by quite a degree. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a a very big comic book guy. I I just finished reading, oh God, I can't even uh, remember the name because I just finished reading it, but there was this great Spider-Man book that I just read that's like Life Story, Spider-Man Life Story. I just finished reading that and I I adored that. I absolutely adored that. Again, like Marvel is still something I'm sort of scratching the surface of, but like another one that, really blew me away was old man logan like like was because i saw logan and loved the movie like really loved the movie and then uh read the first old man logan book and they they couldn't be more different like it's like they took one idea like one small idea from that book and then did a whole their own thing with it but the old man logan story is just phenomenal all right so 
just broad, simple question. What's each of your favorite Marvel character movie oh. uh, for Mark comic? Uh, honestly, I know it's it's probably a bit of a stock answer, but I rewatch Infinity War and Endgame so much. I I really like deeply, genuinely adore those two movies as like one thing because it's kind of just. I liken it to like what it must have been like to see Ben Hur at the cinemas or like even just cause it's like big and epic and like, it's so, and what I, what I think those movies do really, really well, as well as being like visual kind of like masterpieces is the emotional beats of the story are really are very clearly there and they hit and they and like Endgame made me cry so much. It being a thirty-year-old man crying at like super at a superhero movie. I think that's not. I mean, first of all, you got to be a little bit broken in the head, right? But second, <laughs> but second, you know. But also, that's not an easy thing to do to make me like care that much, you know. And I can't. I constantly. I constantly rewatch those. Like I, I, I really love those. Ah, uh, wow! That was such an articulate answer from Mark. I'm going to say my favorite film is probably Thor Ragnarok. I, I remember I went and watched it with my partner, who's not as crazy about comic book films. And I remember she was just like, she leaned over to me about 40 minutes in, and she's like, "This is like properly funny." And I'm like, "Yeah." And she's like, "No, but it's like..." properly funny it's not like here's a joke beat like in a lot of movies it's like these are proper 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 jokes and it and it, and it was so true and i think for me there was also just that layer of you know australia and new zealand we have kind of a shared comic sensibility and there was something really really thrilling about seeing that type of comedy and those kind of comic rhythms and those comic beats on a big Hollywood movie. I don't think I'd ever seen that kind of comedy in a big Hollywood movie before. The two that I'm thinking of at the moment, uh, there's a, a, a question in my head of how do you make cinema um, moments? How do you make, like, when I went to funny films as a kid, you would go and see a movie and the audience would laugh out loud and you'd have this wonderful moment where people are laughing in a room together. And I don't know if you can make funny films that do well at the movies anymore. Often the most successful comedy films of more recent times become cult classics. Like, you know, there's fam famously Step Brothers didn't do well at the cinema, but then became, you know, a household comedy film. And you can't, I can't think of many funny films recently where people go and laugh together. The last time that that genuinely happened and I had a, 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 this is an incredible moment was seeing Deadpool and Deadpool 2 is those two movies, like whether you like them or not, or you think that it's your sense of humor or not, seeing it in a room with people, it has the, it has the comic book draw, but then is also playing with comedy in a very similar way to what we do, which is breaking the fourth wall and turning and talk. It's a, like, it's a funny movie that uses comic you know, the comic world to do that. So I really like that. Another really cool thing I got to do is being not American or being Australian, we often don't have the same connection to a lot of the uh, of the characters in the same way that you do. You know, for example, Captain America doesn't have the same, you know, resonance here because, you know, he's American. But 
I didn't really realize that and uh, until I, I was on holidays when I was like 20 and I saw Captain America in Times Square and in a sold out theater. And it was a real like, even though I was just seeing a movie, it was this real moment of like, I felt America. It was this story about Captain America in America. And I, I was like, this means a lot to people in a way that it just like, if you if I went and saw that at a cinema in Melbourne, it would just be a comic book character that, you know, but seeing it was a really powerful kind of experience that I've never really forgotten. And so Captain America's kind of had this cool place in my heart, but those two, I would say. My last really like Marvel centric thing is, and this may be more for you, Mark, uh, has like com- have comic books or Marvel to an extent, have, have they affected much of your like your perspective on on comedy and your work? at all have they like influenced you much in that sense or is it just like this is your escape is to read comics and get into that yeah i think so like the escapism is a really good a really good point like you know i think there's always that thing when wherever i mean all of us do this uh we'll be watching like a movie or maybe reading a comic book or something that we really care about something that we're not laughing at but we'll just for me, this happens a lot. I know this happens for the other guys as well. You see something that isn't that isn't funny. It's not supposed to be funny. But then because we have the brains that we have and we're comedy writers, we go, oh, that serious moment. But then what if this stupid thing happened on top of it? And then that's where like a lot of jokes and inspiration comes from for us. So it does it doesn't influence me directly. But but there are because because I and we care about those things so much in such a genuine way, it's then really funny to undercut, and then and then and then we've got an outlet for it, which is great. You know, then we just put it in Auntie Donna, if that makes sense. A big reference for us, um, and Mark, you can talk to this that we don't talk about a lot is is Kevin Smith, and, and I think one thing one way he's really influenced us and 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 like something that i've really taken from his early work is this connectivity and this like idea of characters existing across multiple not just uh not not just multiple series or multiple things but multiple media as well that you can you can join a character uh and they live everywhere the way jay and silent bob live in every single one of his films i think we've we've replicated that to an extent we think of our world and our world of comedy as like an Auntie Donna universe where all these characters live and the three of us exist within all of it. That's a big part of what we do, maybe a little less concrete than he did it, but that's a huge part of what we do. And I was reading an interview recently with him about his early films and he was saying how much he wanted to, he was like, wouldn't it be cool to take what Marvel does and the way their characters interact and the way their stories interact and do that on film? And I just was like, that's so true that he was one of the first people to try and take that. And he talked about Marvel being a huge influence on his interconnectivity of stories and media and stuff. And and I think he was then a big influence on us. And then obviously Marvel got onto films and did it in such a big way. But I just, I, it, it was a funny, that's a funny little connection there that I just realized the other day. Uh, Yeah, I think that that's the main thing for me. I think it's sort of normalized a level of nuance to, you know, interesting alternative stuff. I was was thinking about five years ago when we were trying to get TV shows up, a thing that we do often in our comedy and when we're on stage is turning to the audience and acknowledging the real moment. And often there's this idea with TV, or there was a while ago with us, we were getting pushback from different places saying, 
that's too niche. It's too in-joke to be able to turn and say something. And I remember when I watched Deadpool thinking there's so much just like addressing what's happening in that moment and the audience understanding it and getting it. And I remember thinking, if this show can be so in-jokey and be successful, then we can as well. Audience, I think Marvel and just the greater comic book world, I think, have done a great job in hiring the IQ creatively for audiences. I think we expect a lot more of audiences and they really enjoy it. And our show is layered with little details that people can go and find stuff, things on the back walls, characters you see in episode one or in the background of episode three, we're talking, the writers are talking to you constantly throughout our show as much as the performers are. We're only allowed to, like there's a, there's a, there's a section in episode two of our show where we talk about the show being non-canon and, uh, and there was notes about people won't understand that and they unanimously have, like uh, com- people know what canon means uh, because... Because of Marvel, yeah. like, literally because of Marvel. But th- that part MCU. cracked me up specifically because it's like you guys are like playing ball and it's the pirate and, and Scott is <laughs> and like, I'm like, oh, the non-canon part. It's like, it, it was great. It was really funny. It was, it was wonderful. Uh, last question. You kind of leaned into this one a little bit, Broden. If there was a Marvel character to bring into the Auntie Donna troupe, to be one of the performers like you were like you know what we're going to expand we're going to get one more member and you could pick from the marvel universe how would the duck man oh <laughs> no yeah yeah get the duck in there yeah he would be great i think actually in all seriousness something that wacky like you want to go like that left of field um i think that's a great choice He's dark. <laughs> he's dark. He knows that he's in a comic. He's like self-aware. He he's weird. He's funny. I think I think you've you've hit the nail on the head there, Mark. <laughs> um, it's just what it's not the weird stuff. Just the stuff that's like, oh, I don't know. My vote is for uh, Starhawk from the Guardians of the Galaxy. Stakar Ogord, yeah, who is Sylvester Stallone's character in Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. too. I would like just as him as the fourth person, I think, would be uh, broken. And if we did that, imagine the uh, cut through that we get and the numbers, you know, with Sylvester Stallone in Arnie Donna. That'd be just absolutely I'd love Sly. I'd, I want to work with Sly Sloan so bad. I'm such a big fan. Howard and Deadpool and uh, Starhawk. Some good options. We look forward to seeing one of the Marvel characters pop up as a future member of Auntie Donna. Uh, gentlemen, Thank you so much for coming on to talk about Auntie Donna's Big Ol' House of Fun, which is now streaming on Netflix. This was a pleasure. As I said, I freaking love the show. I hope there's more, uh, but I'll be following along to see everything else you guys work on. So thank you for making some cool stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Also, I just want to say that when I first heard about them, I heard about them verbally, and I thought it was anti-Donna. <laughs> like, they hate Donnas. Ooh. Not yeah. Auntie Donna, the lady that probably, you know, drinks too much Chardonnay. <laughs> hey, you know what? She's going to do what she's going to do. You just got to support her. If she were my Auntie Donna, that's what she would do. <laughs> I got a lot of wine ants. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of wine ants. Uh, yeah, Auntie Donna's Big Old House Fun great it's on netflix go check it out yeah 
Um, so next week we have on Johnny Gargano, who's a wrestler. Yes, he is WWE NXT superstar wrestler. Uh, at the time of the recording, hopefully through uh, through many many uh, weeks and months and maybe years, he's uh, a champion in NXT. He's the North American champion. He's wonderful. This is another one uh, you tagged out for, and in your stead came in big. James Monroe, I go hard, brother. Came in to uh, to do the interview with me and freaked out just in all the best ways. He was so excited. So one of the things that Johnny talked about with us was um, like his his ring gear because Johnny's been really fun and really cool about stylizing his ring gear. Most ring gear, like like reindeer. What he, is that? He stylizes his ring gear, aka the uh, the trunks that he wears, his boots, his knee pads, his jacket, uh, all the the his things. Clothes. Yes, but it's called ring gear in the parlance of professional wrestling. All right. I'll go with it. You will. Uh, his ring gear is inspired a lot of times by Marvel characters. So nice. when he had one of his biggest matches ever, he had uh, Iron Man inspired stuff. He's had Carnage inspired, um, Thor from Marvel Studios, Thor Ragnarok inspired, Star-Lord inspired, um, tons and tons of them. So we get into talking about that in the interview. He actually did tell James and I what his uh, ring gear will be inspired by for the next big event, which is coming up, um, which I, it blew my mind. I will tell you off air because it's wild, but um, it's really cool. We have that conversation. So with that in mind, uh, I was thinking, Lorraine, maybe our question of the week could be, if you were a professional wrestler, what Marvel superhero or supervillain would you sort of use as inspiration for your ring gear? Ugh, it's too easy. I would either be Captain Marvel or the Phoenix. I feel like the Dark Phoenix would like work for me because I don't want people to think I have a lot of emotions, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, Ryan? Um, yeah, I, I I was gonna say Dark Phoenix definitely for you. You could be a you would be a great <sighs> heal, like because you get to play a character and you get to be all bad and evil and like really beat the crap out of people. It'd be also, super fun. I seem, I'm like a pretty peppy person, but yeah. I love to talk smack. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Uh, I think I, I would probably go with Cable because you could do some fun stuff. You could have like, you know, uh, like a metal arm. You could do like, you know, one of those like armbands and you can make it all metal. You well, you have, wear silver eyelashes on one eye. Yeah. Oh, man. Throw, look, my eyelashes are banging to begin with. Throw a little <laughs> silver on them. They would be tremendous. Uh, do some cool stuff. Get a little salt and pepper in the hair get a little cool like there's a lot of fun stuff you could do with uh with a cable vibe for uh for your ring gear and um so with that in mind that's our question of the week what marvel superhero or villain would you use to inspire your own pro wrestling ring gear you can tweet your answers using hashtag this week in marvel email them to twimpodcast.marvel.com or send a message to our facebook page at facebook.com slash this week in marvel and of course Please be sure to let us know it is okay to read on the show. Lorraine, as we've been doing in recent weeks, uh, we've got a little something something from Marvel's Declassified, one of the other shows that you host, right? Yeah. So this week on Marvel's Declassified, the episode is all about Marvel Knights. And this is such a spicy episode. I'm so glad that we got to do it because it deals a lot with Marvel's near ending, right? In the 
uh, sort of early mid-90s, Marvel filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And this is really about bringing Marvel back from the brink. And part of how it came back was all sort of hooked into these two scrappy indie creators that they brought in to create a little four-series imprint called Marvel Knights. And now these guys are really well-known. So here is Joe Casada and Jimmy Palmiotti, the co-creators of Marvel Knights, talking about how they met and struck up a friendship and how it uh, started off something really special, I'll say. The industry is on the verge of collapse, and publishers need to win back their old fans who are all pissed off and feeling alienated. And in 1998, two heroes are about to slow motion strut out of the metaphorical mist to turn everything around. Damn straight. And uh, those heroes, well, they were two friends, scrappy freelancers in the comic industry. One, a 37-year-old writer and inker from Brooklyn. Hi, my name is Jimmy Palmiotti. And the other, a 36-year-old writer and comic book artist from Queens. My name is Joe Casada. Today, Jimmy Palmiotti and Joe Casada's names are forever enshrined in comic book lore. But back in 1998, they were just a couple of dudes living in New York City, chasing their big comic book dreams. But despite living in the same city, they didn't even meet in New York. I live in Brooklyn. Joe lived in Queens. And of course, it made sense. We met each other in San Diego at San Diego Comic Con. We met at a line to get free food, hamburgers, I remember. We were starving, literally starving artists. Yeah, we were getting a burger somewhere and we had a mutual friend and we just started talking and we realized we had a lot in common, especially him being a penciler and me being an anchor. And uh, we just hit it off. We just became good friends from there. Oh, I really think nothing says being comic book friends like meeting in San Diego at Comic-Con. Right, and trying to get free food. <laughs> right. So Joe and Jimmy spent a lot of time together in New York. And between freelance gigs working for Marvel and other New York-based publishers, they'd hang at their neighborhood watering hole. We would spend countless days uh, at our local tavern. It was a, there was a great bar that was like a block from my apartment in New York City called Openers. Openers. The owners were like good friends of ours. We would eat lunches there probably three or four times a week. And it was also two blocks from Marvel. So we would spend our time there talking about if we started our own company, how would we try to do it? What did we think was right? What did we think was the best approach for us and just comics in general? And that's sort of where those conversations started. I think because we were younger and we just were too stupid to realize how difficult things were going to get. The market in 93, I mean, the sales were crap. And we did have a lot of people that would say, you know, you guys don't know what you're getting into or you're not going to make it. It's never going to happen for you. It's sort of like putting the best gasoline in my tank. You know, New Yorkers will understand this. When people tell us we can't do something, our first reaction is to, oh, yeah, let me prove you wrong. All right? Don't tell me what to do. We picked probably the worst possible time in the history of comic books to start a new venture. Stores were closing left and right. I mean, hundreds of stores were closing. We're both stubborn. We're both think we can do anything at that point. So we just said, the hell with it. We're going to start our own company. And that's what we did with Event Comics. 
Very cool. Hope you guys dug that. Of course, you can listen to Marvel's Declassified on the SiriusXM app and desktop player. I actually heard um, we were listening to SiriusXM in the car, and there was a little commercial about uh, the Marvel podcast on SiriusXM, just telling people to, to listen to them on the app and the desktop player, which was neat. And uh, I would say if you dug and if you dig that clip, if you listen to the episode of Marvel's Declassified, Definitely also go check out Tucker Marcus's mm-hmm. long form oral history of Marvel Knights from like two years ago. Uh, it's a really great piece. It's on Marvel.com. If you just Google like oral history Marvel Knights, it's you should be able to find it pretty easily. Also, huge shout out to Tucker Marcus um, because absolutely this episode was inspired by the wonderful work he did there. So big special thanks to him for sure. Also, you can listen to This Week in Marvel on the SiriusXM app and desktop player a day earlier. We come out on Thursdays on SiriusXM. So uh, if you're not listening to us there already, you should be. So in the spirit of having Auntie Donna on this week, we asked you guys last week, what's your favorite comedy sketch show? Uh, And this first one is from Bobby at Capt. Rogers 44, who says, in response to your question, the best sketch comedy show is Monty Python's Flying Circus. This debate is over. It is no more. And on a side note, I think Vision slash Paul Bettany would make a fine Python himself. Oh, I could see him doing a silly walk. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I like that Bobby came in here not saying favorite, but just like trying to authoritative truth. Yeah, like, (laughs) look, Python inspires everybody, so... I'll accept it for now. Uh, We've got one from the Kauai Prince at Colin J saying, okay, so maybe this doesn't count, but my favorite sketch comedy show was the Comedy Warehouse on Pleasure Island in Disney Springs, formerly known as Downtown Disney. And Colin says, I was actually invited on stage on one of the last performances. Um, That's pretty cool. You know, that's like a very, you have to be sort of like local, I would imagine, to know that. I've had some friends who've worked at the Comedy Warehouse on Pleasure Island. A lot of New York comedians have gone down there to work for a summer or a season, um, getting paid to do comedy. So a lot of up-and-coming comedians, you would be really surprised, I think, cycle through those casts Mm. um, at theme parks because they're great jobs for up-and-coming actors. So a lot of young people sort of, you know, cut their teeth there. Yeah. I I know there was one year I went to Universal Studios and there was a Bill and Ted like live Mm -hmm. um, sketch show. And I I remember enjoying it, but I think they made that like a regular thing, which is, you know, when you had, you know, 25 years between Bill and Ted movies, like that was one of the only ways to get new Bill and Ted was this really silly, fun sketch show. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Next up, we have one from the tech lord at Lex Pendragon, who says, I am three books into my stack, but Black Cat number two is getting my This Week in Marvel Twim of the Week. The car chase climax was amazing. Bruno drives the Spider-Mobile. The Black Cat book is so friggin' good. I, I'm i glad it's, it's you know, gotten a new number one in the midst of King of Black. It is, like, really, really terrific. It's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Uh, our pal Karis Pollard at A. Karis Pollard says, her This Week in Marvel of the Week goes to the incomparable Black Cat. Also, another nod to Black Cat. There you go. Uh, it's by Jen McKay, Carlos Villa, and uh, Brian Reber. It was, she says, it was funny and fun and dramatic and so, so beautiful. Look at those layouts. I adore this series so much. So look, I said it, Karis said it, Lex said it. Everybody should be reading Black Cat. 
Next up, we have got an email. It says, what's up, y'all? This is Zen Viking. Since I can't choose kids in the hall because Lorraine already picked it. Uh, sorry, not sorry. Uh, I will have to choose something else. So sausages, um, which is one of the best lines from kids in the hall. Thank you for quoting it. Um, so instead, I will choose Exit 57, most especially the Rattler sketch. Never have I seen such condensed and crystallized chaos used for the purposes of comedy. It was so good. The first time I saw it, I had trouble breathing from laughter. I am forever changed by this enigma of unknown hilarity. Having fun listening to y'all. Keep it up. Rattler gonna get ya. <laughs> <laughs> Zen Viking. P.S. I know I am late and I am not sure if he counts as a D-list hero, but my man is Zorn. I feel like Zorn, more than any other character, embodied the teachings of Zen Buddhism and it was delightful to watch him teach Serenity to the X Academy special class. Also, here is the link to the Rattler skit to bring you back. Oh man, Exit 57, also a banger. Uh, yeah, you know, so Exit 57 is like this, it's a cult series in my head where I remember watching it as a kid and I remember the commercials mm -hmm. for it. And I remember like the advertisements and the like the opening bumpers a little bit, but like I don't have the memories of it like I do a lot of other sketch shows. So I'm so glad you brought this up, Zen Viking. I'm probably gonna go down an exit 57 uh, rabbit hole soon because I wanna revisit it and especially this uh, Rattler skit. So. Big kudos to you. Also, Exit 57 has my friend Jody Lennon in it, which oh. is awesome. She's one of my former comedy teachers slash friends, and she is so funny. That cast is amazing. It's got Amy Sedaris in it. Uh, Stephen Colbert is on the show. I mean, it's a um, it's really I, good. I didn't do any Googling to look that up. That's wild. I Like, mm -hmm. how is the show not have a bigger following? It's just going to make it to a streaming service, I guarantee. Mm. Yeah. Pretty, pretty cool. All right. With that hilarious note to end the show, we're going to wrap it up. This episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Alexis Williams, Zachary Goldberg, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos with help from Rye Dorsey. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. And Jill DeBach is our director of audio. And special thanks to Mustaches. Ryan Reynolds, get a mustache. Ryan, if you need help growing a mustache, call me. Ryan's help Ryan's. That's right. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And this is Marvel. Your universe.